And I want to share some things with you. Uh, and this is going to, some of this is going to be a uh, refresher a little bit and some of it will be new. And, uh, cause you heard this, some of this about, uh, a month and a half ago. So we're going to see how many of you retain it, uh, which don't feel bad because I had to go back to my own notes and refresh my own memory. So I don't say that to make you feel bad. I say that cause I understand how it is, you know, and, uh, but, uh, a little back in September and October, I did a series called let's go. How many of you remember? Let's go. And, um, you know, and it was all about really us being the church. And so what we're going to be doing next week is actually that. Uh, and so I'm going to give you some details here at the end about this, but, um, you know, one of the thoughts, one of the things that I had shared with you during that series is that, that, you know, cause I challenged you to be vocal with your faith. In other words, share your story, share your testimony with somebody. I encourage you to be generous. We're going to be being generous next week. I encourage you to be loved to people, right? I, I encourage you to be personal or to what, to pray with somebody personally, not just kind of like, Hey, I'm going to pray for you when I'm in my, dev- no, like right now. You want to make somebody uncomfortable to say, can I pray for you? And they're going to go, oh yeah. How about right now? Uh, oh, okay. Sure. Didn't know we were doing that, but apparently we are. And, you know, but why? Because we believe in the power of prayer, right? And so I was challenging you, you with that. And one of the things that I had shared with you is that this wasn't just a weekly challenge, but this is actually how we're supposed to be living, right? Like all the time, we're supposed to, as, as representatives of Jesus on the earth, this is the way that we, he intends us to live all the time. And, and so, you know, I, I shared with you the thought is that, uh, and I said this a lot and I, cause I really want it to get in you is that you haven't only been saved from something. You've also been saved for something as part of our vision. We would say it this way is that, that God saved us many times from ourselves, from our own mistakes, our own things that we've done. But he saved us to go make a difference in the world around us. Our vision comprises four things. We want everybody to know God. We want everybody in Lake Charles surrounded. We want everybody to know God, not religion, not church. We want them to know him like personally. So we want people to know God. We want them to what? Find freedom. Like, what does that mean? That means we we need to settle your past. Like settle it like once and for all kind of settle it. Because you can get saved, but still have your issues. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's okay, because I still got some issues that the Lord is still working on. So it's okay. It's just, we don't want to stay that way, because Jesus paid a price so that we could live free, right? And so as we get free, we want what? You to discover your purpose. Why? Because Jesus saved you for something. There's a, a redemptive purpose that God has for every single one of us. He didn't just save us so we'd go to heaven. No, he saved us for a purpose, And then after we know our purpose, then we can actually find out, hey, this is the area that I can specifically focus in to go out and make a difference. That's really why we exist as a church. If you really boiled it down, that's why we exist. It's why we open the doors. It's why we turn the heat on today. It's for those four things. And so, you know, and so really even what we're talking about is that that you have to know that. Is that many times people can sell themselves short simply because they say, well, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, but there's a purpose. There's a reason behind what God has done. And it's important that we know this because that gives us our marching orders. I shared with you throughout that series about the Great Commission. How many of you know it's not my job solely to go evangelize the world? Or let me say it this way. It's not my job to go evangelize and witness to every person in Lake Charles. 
As a matter of fact, Ephesians tells me that my job is to equip you, the saints, to do what? The work of the ministry, which is what? Reaching people. That's the ministry. And I know sometimes people can have the thought, well, you're in the ministry. No, 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 no. We are in the ministry. We have been saved. We are responsible to what? Represent Christ. Every single one of us. We all have influence. So we are all called into the ministry. You're like, well, I never got called. Congratulations, you just did. <laughs> Welcome. Glad you're on the team. Why? Because there are a lot of people in our city who don't know Jesus. They do know religion. They do know church. And many of them have even had negative experiences. Well, we want to make sure that people are having some positive experiences with believers. How many of you ever had a bad experience with somebody that called themselves a Christian? Right? Well, I mean, it can really affect the way that you approach God. And there are a lot of people that just say, man, I just don't want to have anything to do with Christians or the church. So we want to do everything within our ability to what? To change that mindset, to change people's perception. And we do that by the way we live our lives every day. You know, is that we want to what? let our lives speak loudly, but not with words, but with actions. I don't want to just profess that I'm a Christian and then act like a sinner. Not saying, I mean, I'm saved. Yes, you're saved. I hope. If you're not, I'll give you an opportunity before we leave today to settle that. But it's not just so that I can just be a, some sort of an upgraded version of my old self. No, Jesus saved me so that old self would die. I mean, like I, I've been walking with the Lord for over 20 years. I am not the same person. As a matter of fact, when I tell my testimony, I feel like I'm telling someone else's story. Because the reality is I am. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. In other words, something that never before existed. Now, my physical body didn't change. But my spirit man came alive unto God. And that's what happens. And so we want to see that people around us are going to have that opportunity. And one of the best ways we can do that is simply do and live according to what we profess. We would say, don't be hypocritical, right? You say one thing, but you do something else. No, we want to make sure to the best of our abilities with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's important. I'm not just trying to do some behavior modification on my, uh, by myself. No, I'm looking for the Lord to help me to be who he's created me to be. And so I shared some scriptures with you during that uh, series, and I want to share them with you again. And the first one comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. This is going to be, I'm going to kind of skip between a couple translations here, but it'll be up on the screen for you too. Uh, this first part's out of the message translation, but it says that God is not a secret to be kept. He says, we're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. He says, let it shine brightly before others. Let it shine brightly. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them. The Bible says that we are called to be light bearers. Right? You go read John chapter 1. It says that Jesus came and he was the light of the world. How many of you know that Jesus isn't here anymore? But how many of you know that his light is? And his light is in us. And we are now the, the carriers of, of the light of God, if you will. Why? Because we live in a dark world that needs 
what? God. It really does. And it says, let us shine brightly before others so that our light would go upon them. Verse 16 says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll promote or prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Not hear about it, see it. That they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. In other words, we're supposed to have some good works that what? That point people to Jesus. You know, during the series, I shared this, I think it was in week three when I talked about, or maybe it was week two, I can't remember now, about being generous. Is that we don't want to just be a blessing to people. We want to be a blessing in the name and because of what Jesus has done for us. I don't want to just be a nice guy. I want to be a godly guy. And I want people to understand, why are you being generous to me? Because God was generous to me first. And out of that, I now want to be generous towards other people. Because why? That's the heart of God. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. He gave what? Something that was precious to him. Something that was important to him. And he was motivated from love. And it says that we are to what? Be motivated from that same kind of love, have good work so that what? So that people believe the faith that we profess. See, I believe many times, and if we went out on the street today and just found some random people that aren't in church right now and said, hey, what do you know about the church? This is what they would tell you. More than likely, well, the church is against this. The church is against this. The church doesn't like that. They probably wouldn't tell you what the church is actually for. Most of the people have a pre, most people that you know that do not actually know God have a preconceived idea of who and what God is like. And the problem is their preconceived idea is wrong because they know some goofy Christians. They don't know God. They don't know his word, right? Why? Because the Bible says that God is good and he does that which is only good. I mean, Romans says that he has a good, a pleasing and a perfect will. All three of those are kind of on the good scale. You know what I'm saying? Like there's not a bad plan for you. And then these other good ones. No, God has... The good, the perfect will. See, and we're called to live this way. In Deuteronomy chapter 15 and in verse 7. By the way, the title of my message, if you're a note taker and you want to take notes, is within the gates. I didn't tell you that. But it comes out of this scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand. You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand. So there's really two things that he's given us instructions here. He says, look, if you see an opportunity to help somebody that's in need, you shouldn't, number one, don't harden your heart. In other words, don't turn a blind eye to it and just act like it don't exist. But he also says, don't shut your hand. He says, you need to what? Open up your heart and you need to open up your hand. You need to what? To be generous. This is who we're called to be as, as, as believers. You know, one of our core values here is generosity. We believe in generosity. We believe in living this out and 
kind of in some words, this is what that means. Is that we are over the top givers with every resource that God brings into our lives. That he places in our hands. And that we love to give and to serve with uncommon generosity. Now, I'm not saying that we have perfectly modeled this to the degree that I think that we should and that we will. But I think that that ought to be what people ought to know about us. When they hear about us as a church, what they ought to say is, man, those are some generous folks. I don't know what they preach. I don't know what they believe. They love Jesus, but man, they are some generous people. I mean, why? Because it's who we're called to be. And it's one of, it's part of who we are. You see, and I, and I know, because I've been on many sides of this. But I know some of you right now are thinking, man, I'm not in a place to help anybody. You don't know the problems I have. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know how, how badly I'm in need of God to work in my life right now. You want to know one of the best ways to solve your problems? It's to help somebody else in their problem. And I'm not ju- I don't just mean about the financial side. I mean, like our problems seem like really big and really difficult until we go find somebody else who has a bigger problem. And then all of a sudden we realize like, oh, I was stressed out because I was thinking, did I wear this to church last week? (laughs) This morning, you know what I'm saying? Like, did I wear this sweater last week? I don't want people to think I don't have clothes. Okay, well, I could take you to places probably in our city where people wear the same clothes every day. Forget about it being at church. And so you're like, well, you know, I I don't know that I'm blessed. Trust me. I've been to some of the poorest places on the planet. Craziness. I mean, it is unbelievable. I mean, I've been at churches where all they had was a tin roof, some stick frame and a tin roof. And it was a hundred and something degrees outside. And I'm like dying. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people show up for church and they come. In the rain, in the heat, all the... And I'm, all I can think about is, like, this tin roof is just acting like a heater up here, and it's 110 degrees. Man, and they're happy, and they're at church, and they're looking for opportunities. Well, it's what we're called and who we're called to be. Amen. So here's one of the, the principles that you have to know. Is that when you sow, it's not just about the person that you're blessing. Now, you can sow financially, but you can also sow in your time, sow of your life. But it's not just about the person that you're being a blessing to. At the bare minimal, at the bare minimal, it has an equal effect on our hearts as well. Is that we need to sow not just for them, we need to sow for us. We need to give of ourselves for us, not just for other people. Why? Because whether you realize it or not, we all have a bent towards selfishness. All of us do. My daughter at four o'clock this morning, woke up like wide awake. And she thought everybody should get up. I go in there, get her out of bed about five 30 this morning. She's like juice, juice. And I'm thinking sleep like why? Because by nature, we are just about us. So we have to do what we have to fight against that. 
Because the devil would love nothing more than for us to be completely focused on us. Because the key to many times that I've experienced to, to God working in my life is in me letting go of something. Yeah, there's power in that. There's ability in that. And, and so, you know, I, I, I've made this statement and I believe it is that I, I don't know that we're ever more like God than when we give. I really, I, I mean, that would be kind of a pretty core belief for me. Is that when I'm generous, when I'm a blessing to people. You know, I mean, we're in the the season right now, obviously, here in just a week and a half, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. We're to what? Give thanks. I mean, that's the whole purpose. It's not just let's get past the turkey so we can go shop. Like, right? I mean, it's maybe that, well, I say that. Let's get past lunch and so now we can go get in line on Thursday, you know, and camp out all night. That's my personal pet peeve. I'm like, it ain't after Thanksgiving. We can't start Christmas yet. Like, you know, I think I started seeing it in September this year. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now, I know there are those of you that like December 26th, you're like 364 days. You know, I mean, you got, you're already counting down. You're like, you wake up and you're like, yep, we got just a few more days till we're back. You know what I'm, no, I mean, but look, we're to, let me say it another way. Is that we should be not just thanksgiving. We should be what? Thanks living. We should be living from a place of gratitude for what God has done in our life. And out of that heart of gratitude will come good works. We're not saved because of our good works, but we are saved for good works. So I'm not trying to manipulate or work God to do something for me by what I'm doing. No, that was all taken care of by Jesus. I don't have to do anything other than just accept what he's done for me. But I am saved for good works. There ought to be some, you know, I shared this a couple weeks ago, is that the proof is in the pudding. How many of you remember that service? I talked about that. The proof of our Christianity is in the life that we live. Like God is real and people are going, okay, prove it. Just show me. I mean, one of my closest friends when I got saved came to me and said, David, you're different. And I didn't want to tell him because we used to make fun of Christians. And I don't mean like kindly i mean i was pretty nasty about it you want to know how he said and i said well what do you what do you mean and he began to list things well you don't cuss like you used to you don't talk about girls like you used to and he you don't listen to this you don't do this you don't I, he's like he started and i was just thinking i wasn't that bad <laughs> like who are you talking about but there was he saw that there was a difference in me I ultimately got to lead him to the Lord. That's a pretty cool experience. One of my closest friends, best man in my wedding. But what? He knew me before and said, there's something different about you. And because he saw it, he believed. See, I believe that if we're going to live from a place of giving thanks, I believe that it's going to come out in the area of our giving. And I, I mean, just being generous with our life, of our time, uh, of being mindful of other people. And, and it's such an important part for us as a church. 
Because this is an element that I know in my heart. And, I, and it's really where that whole Let's Go series came out of is that we have to, and I shared this with you back then, is that we had to kick into gear. We had to get into motion. We had to start being the church. See, what's amazing to me is that how much healing comes when I start thinking about other people and start looking for opportunities and ways to minister to other people. It's like God says, hey, when you take care of somebody else, I'm going to take care of you. Amen. Like, I don't know if I agree with you. Then you can argue with scripture. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Talks about that the generous, that the stingy, their world gets smaller. The generous, the world gets larger. It says those who would what? Water others is the way the Bible says it, which is kind of, it says those who water others will themselves be watered. That more accurately would say this is those who minister to others will themselves be ministered to. So as you give out, God will refill. As you give out, God will refill. The problem is we get real protective and just say, if I give away, then I'm going to lose. No, 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 no. You don't understand how God works. You can't empty out faster than God can fill you up. And the truth is, is that when we're trying to, in a sense, hoard what God has done in our life, guess what? Our tank is dropping. We just don't realize it. We don't realize it. And we're called to live an overflowing life. Like out of the abundance of, of what God has done in us, not just, you know, kind of the leftovers. No, the abundance of what God has done in our life, we're called to live in that place. In James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, he gives us some instruction, some wisdom here, and he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Let me give you an example of this, a practical one. It's like when somebody has a need and you say, I'll pray for you. There's nothing wrong with praying for them. I believe in prayer. I hope you know that. But if you have the ability to help them, according to Scripture, we should. So he says, you see, your faith by itself is not enough unless, unless it produces good deeds. He says, now someone may argue some people have faith, some people have good deeds. Like, I, you take care of the believing God part, I'll take care of the doing part. But he says, how can, I sh- how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Let me say this way. I will show you my faith by my actions. In other words, it's not just lip service. I'm not just saying I love Jesus and that he's done something great for me. No, I want to go out and be Jesus to people around me. That's how you're going to see my faith. Why? Because it actually has some action with it. There's something that, that, that really validates what I profess to. He goes on and he says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. He says, even the demons believe this and they tremble in, fa- in terror. He says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? He says, remember, or don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see his faith and his actions worked together and his actions made his faith complete. Now, let me tell you the story of what this is referring to. 
Abraham had been given a promise by God that he would have a son. Abraham waited 25 years for the fulfillment of that promise. He had a son. His name was Isaac. The Bible, or the, the Bible tells us that God told Abraham that I will bless you through this son that you have. Now, I'm leaving out a lot of detail, but you have to go read the book of Genesis to get all the story. But I'm giving you the overview. For 25 years, he waited, believing God for that promise. Isaac comes, and then there was a test. Like, ah, God doesn't test us. Yes, he does. I can show you New Testament, Old Testament. Here's the difference. The devil tests us to disprove us. God allows testing in our life for this. Now, I'm not saying that, just, I've opened a can of worms now. How about that? God doesn't use bad things to test us. He doesn't need to. As a matter of fact, I would argue that he can't. According to script, we believe the Bible, God is good and does that which is only good. So he can't do bad things. Because it would actually be against his nature and his character. He can't lie. But God will allow what? Seasons of tests that come, but it's for what? To approve, to promote, to move forward. If there's never a test, how do you know where you're at? I've had times in my life where I've been tested and failed. And I thought, I need to work on that. And thankfully, sometimes there were tests that I failed and I had teachers around me to tell me that I failed. Give you an example. I was probably saved maybe a year, maybe two, maybe three, but I was serving in the church. I was active. And as I've shared, I'm a, I like to get stuff done kind of guy. Well, that, the negative side of that is I can tend to be kind of bulldozer-ish and I can get focused and let's just go, right? So the negative, and, this is, and it was actually somebody who was very pivotal in my life. He sat me down one day and said, David, I, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. I'm thinking, get my list out. Let's go. Tell me what you need me to do. I got it. And he said, I've noticed a, a character flaw. I'm like, a what? You know? And he said, yeah, when you get under pressure, you crack. In other words, when the test is on... You snap at people. You're real short. You're so task-oriented that you're hurting people as the fallout. You need to work on that. I just thought, I ain't got a problem. Well, what was I going to do with the truth that he had just spoken into my life? Well, now I have a decision. Am I going to say, well, that ain't a test? Or am I going to say, was that a test? And if that's, it was, then I obviously failed it and I need to work on that. That's why it's important in relationships. That's why you get in groups. Because in here you can hide. You can come to church on a Sunday morning and hide. But you get in a group of people week in, week out, and you're talking. They're going to be like, what's up? What's going on? You having a bad day? Oh, I'm having a bad week, bad month. <laughs> and they walk with you. And then there may be times that somebody's going to challenge you a little bit. And guess what? We need it. It's really not optional. Not if you, not if you want growth. Not if you want to move forward in your walk with the Lord. It's important. No, but just as it says here in, the, in these passages, we're to be like Abraham. Let me get back to the story. God asked for Isaac. God says, hey, you and the boy come to worship. You're going to make an, uh, 
I want your son back. Here was the problem. Isaac became an idol for Abraham. He waited for it for so long, he finally got it, he couldn't let it go. Now, there's a lot of faith involved. I won't go through the whole story. But Abraham goes to the mountain. Isaac's like, hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? I know how this works. We need an animal. Abraham's just saying, God's going to provide. I want to sit down with Isaac when I get to heaven. I really do. Like, dude, you, I got some questions. You get up there. He gets on the altar. And I know, I, Dad, I'm out. You're old. I'm young. See ya. I'm gone. Like, ain't no way. He gets up there. Abraham raises the knife to kill the son that was promised. And an angel stops him and says, the Lord now knows he can trust you. Like, yeah, that's in the Old Testament. I got lots of scripture to back it up. Old, new, life of Jesus, and you name it. And sometimes things get out of place. Priorities get out of whack. And, and we need things to kind of hit a reset button in our life so that we can, what? Become refocused on what really matters, what, what's important. See, I believe that love is best felt when it's put into action. Let me give you a little story about this. I don't know if it's true or not, but it is funny. But there was a a couple who had been married for many years, and they went to counseling because the wife was mad. Because her husband never would tell her that he loved her, right? She's mad about it. He didn't get it. He's just like, I don't understand. So they go to the counselor because she's like, look, I'm leaving I don't think you love me. You never tell me. You never show me all these things. And so the story goes on that they're sitting down and the counselor's kind of doing what he does, talks to him and finally asks the man. He said, well, what's your thought on this? Like, why won't you just tell her that you love her? That's all she wants. And his response is, well, I told her when I married her, I thought that was good enough. I stood up in front of everybody. How many of you ladies know that ain't enough? Like, sorry, sucker, I've been with you for 30 years. Whatever, however long. Oh, you got to show love, right? And I believe that actually that love works best when it's shown. I mean, think about when somebody did something or said something at a very pivotal time in your life that it was like life changing. Like it's something you look back on and like, man, that changed me. A moment of encouragement. Maybe it was something that somebody blessed you with or whatever it may be. Okay, now think about if that didn't happen. Where would you be today if that pivotal moment was just not part of your history? See, love works best when it's in action. First John chapter 3. Starting in verse 17 says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Our actions, not just our words. 
Not just that we worship together, not just that we have devotional, not just that I'm in a group, not just that I serve on the dream team or what, you know, I mean, all those things are good and they're necessary. And I believe that that is part of our actions. Yes. But I also believe that there's something important about, and and, you know, have you ever heard the expression us for no more? Churches have an unbelievable ability to become inward focused. It's unbelievable. It's not because people are bad people. It's quite the opposite. But it's just more convenient to be that way. And so part of my job, the way I look at it, and you may have never heard another pastor say this. My job is to help make you uncomfortable. To put you in places and situations that you're like, I don't like this. Good. I take that as a compliment. Why? Because the Bible says that I'm to what? Watch over your soul. That's part of my responsibility. And even for us as a church, that I believe that we have to what? Have a voice in our city. They're not going to come knock on our door. It's not going to happen. So we need to what? Go into our city we need to go out and to make a difference you're like yeah but we don't know these people we're giving it to we're going to do what we can do and we're going to let the holy spirit do the rest and we have the ability to do this it's not a question of could we it's will we and so you know during that series i share with you this thought and 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 so I'm just going to remind you with it is this is that the local church is not the hope of the world. The local church mobilized is. So next Sunday, I want to mobilize us to go out and to be the church. So I want to give you just a little bit of understanding as to what's going to happen next Sunday. Because I almost just canceled church completely. Just said, we're just going to leave the doors locked. Really freak people out. Let <laughs> me in the church. Not going to do that to you. We're going to have an abbreviated time together next Sunday morning. And then we are going to head out of here. We're going to go in teams. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, number one, is wear some casual clothes. Like, what is casual? Whatever you want to wear. Have some shoes on, some pants on, and a shirt. Now, what that looks like for you, I don't care. If you want to come in your... Gym shorts and your tennis shoes. Could be a little chilly, but hey. If you want to come in a parka and look like you're going snow skiing, it's fine with me too. Whatever you want to do. Now, I will say this. We are going to have child care between uh, birth up through five years old. Because I think your kids who are in our kids department, our older kids department, they're old enough that they need to be learning this now. So... If you have a child, so toddlers, nursery, we're going to have all that here. So you can bring your babies. We'll send them in their classes. We're going to have people here taking care of all that for you. Uh, But if there's six and, you know, we want them to be a part of this. So here's what I need. Uh, Or here's what I'm asking for. Number one, I'm going to ask you to show up. That's kind of important. Don't be like, oh, we ain't having church. No, we are. (laughs) Oh, we are. (laughs) Don't make me call you. (laughs) 
You need to, whatever you got on, just come to church. I don't even care at this point. Just come. You're like, yeah, but this makes me nervous. I don't like this. You're going to be in a group of people that you know. I'm not sending you out there by yourself. We're going to group you in about four or five people. And you're going to go deliver, hopefully, about ten boxes. And you're going to do two things while you're there. Hi, my name is fill in the blank. We're from Life United and we wanted to be a blessing to you today. We have a Thanksgiving meal. Would you like one for you and your family? Yes. Awesome. Is there anything that we can pray for you today about? Can we just pray for you right now? Sure. Let's pray. Have a great Thanksgiving. We love you. We're praying God's best in your life. See you later. Takes about a minute and a half, right? But do you know what that minute and a half will communicate to somebody who lives maybe even a block away from us? We just have to do it. Why? Because it's the heart of God. Because I believe it's who we're called to be as Christians. But even beyond that, I believe it's who we're called to be as a church, as a local church. We can't say that we value generosity and don't do it. Because that would make us a liar, which I refuse to do. Like, if you ever want to really tick me off, call me a liar. Like, that's the, I can't take that. I just can't. I don't know why, but it drives me beside myself. Just don't call me a liar. No, we just have to be what we say we are. We have to be the church. And I believe that it is very important. I will tell you this as well. One of the other things, because, and I've actually been sitting on this one for a year. Because this is going to, you're going to start hearing more and more stuff that we're going to get out into our community to do. This spring or early spring, we're putting a float in one of the Mardi Gras parades. Why? Because this is what I know. If Jesus was in Lake Charles, he would be where the people are. And I went to a parade last year and I'm standing there. Number one, I thought, man, these are some junky floats. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. So we will not have a junky float. I want people to see it and be like, dang, who's that? And we serve an excellent God. And you're like, well, dang, I didn't know a church could do that. Jesus did things that people thought, I didn't know you could do that. I just see him doing it. And I thought, well, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. You're like, well, are you just trying to make a scene? No. I'm trying to reach people. And I know some, some of you right now may be going, mm. <laughs> Jesus, my Jesus would not be at the Mardi Gras parade. And uh, I don't know what Jesus you're talking about, but that would not be my Jesus. I'm telling you. I, I know that I know that I know in my heart. I mean, this is something I've put tons, not just about the Mardi Gras thing, but just as far as for us as a church, where we are and what needs, what, we, what the next steps are that we need to be taking. I mean, we preach it all the time about you making a difference. What about us making a difference together? People seeing us together. I mean, if you've got a Life United t-shirt, hey, wear it. Be great. You don't have to. But if you got one, if you want one, 
They're out there at the information center. Stop by and see Miss Trudy. She'll get you hooked up. And so that's what we're going to do. Yes, it's unconventional. Good. You've heard more preaching than most of the world. Than most Christians, you've heard more preaching. You don't need more preaching. I love preaching. Don't get me wrong. But we just got to kick it into gear. We got to go to where people are and reach out and be mindful of people. And so that's the opportunity we're going to have next week.